Welcome to the Nehemiah Entrepreneurship Community Podcast. I'm your host, Patrice Gay. I am here today with my good friend, a friend of Nehemiah Project, Mr. Tom Cinema. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Patrice. Delighted to be here. Well, Tom is, uh, first of all, as you are aware, we're having this continued discussion on Nehemiah's response to the George Floyd incident. And this is part four. And today's focus is going to be on entrepreneurship and economics. And what we're attempting to do is to be able to bring a number of our friends uh, to the podcast to have a dialogue around their perspective, the situation, talk about some solutions, and to hopefully bring about a positive outlook on the situation and see what people are doing and will be doing to make sure that we um, address uh, what some feel as the inequities within our nation. And so let me tell you about Tom before we get into it. Uh, first of all, Tom is not only a personal friend, but he's also a friend of, ne of the Nehemiah Project and a friend of the urban community. But before I get to that though, let me just say a little bit about Tom's background. Uh, for more than three decades, he uh, has experience in the private capital market and financial, financial finance industries. He's the founder of a company called Riverbridge Capital, a real estate and healthcare and healthcare principal investing and advisory firm. Uh, Tom just recently launched a new company where he's the ex executive chairman called Converses, a stepstone company. He's going to tell us more about what that company is and the significance of it being a stepstone company. Uh, from uh, 20, 2010 to 2017, Tom served as CEO of CNL Financial Group, a nearly $10 billion alternative management firm focused on the private market. But here's what's significant about Tom while we invited Tom here. Tom served on a number of board and he's founded an, a, a, a number of organizations that that's uniquely served the urban community, particularly an organization called Lyft Orlando, where he initiated that as when he was CEO of, of CNL, put his own resources there and mobilized uh, captain of industries and other leaders to make a difference in a specific part of Orlando to help to break the cycle of generational poverty. He's a major donor to the Nehemiah Project. As a matter of fact, Tom, I don't hate to embarrass you. I know you like to do pr things privately, but Tom was one of those who recently, without even us asking, due to COVID-19, responded spontaneously uh, to sending us a, a major gift, which has helped us as we've been going through the COVID-19 situation. I'm sure he's, he's done that for other organizations. Tom, welcome to the podcast, and thank you, sir, uh, for your support in my project and what you do and have done for the community and particularly for the urban community. Thank you, Patrice. Very kind of you uh, to have those remarks. Thank you. Well, Tom, um, I know that you and Jane, I know your heart broke, your hearts broke when you heard about this incident because I know your person, I stayed in your home and we've had many conversations about your hearts for the urban community. And so uh, before I ask you kind of Tom, your, your perspective on this, I wanna share with our audience, uh, kind of um, for those who are just turning in for the first time, why are we having this response and what happened recently, uh, particularly for those internationally in the United States of America. And so um, several, uh, several weeks ago, um, ex exactly on May 25th, uh, 2020, a man named George Floyd, an African-American, died. Um, uh, and, and his death was due to the fact that he had been handcuffed 
um, and lying face down uh, in the street city uh, by a white police officer in Minneapolis. And um, the police officer kept uh, his, his knee on, the, on Floyd's neck for about eight minutes and 46 seconds. And, uh, and that led to Floyd's death. Uh, the incident occurred because Floyd had been arrested uh, due to a, 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 a counterfeit $20 bill, according to police records. Uh, the police officer has since been charged with uh, second-degree murder. Those who are with him have been charged as well. But that has uh, brought about a major uh, civil unrest throughout the country, including um, protests, uh, riots, uh, and, and looting. As a result of this, uh, we felt a sense of responsibility uh, because we serve uh, a cross-racial uh, community as an organization to provide a response and to provide some kind of direction for those that we serve uh, and to show the world that America is not limited to what they're seeing on television, that America is more than just that. And so the name our project is providing an educational service called The Journey from Child to Triumph, which will start on Monday, a, a redemptive look at the African experience and an attempt to create dialogue and discussion around, uh, around on reconciliation and dealing with past hurts. Uh, we also conduct this year broadcast, podcasts are like this one as an education inspiration, but more importantly to showcase uh, the things that are happening because in these kind of circumstances, we, we tend to forget that there are things happening. There are many things happening within, um, within communities that were happening prior and that many people like Tom who are doing good work. So we're showcasing whites, black pastors, business leaders to just show the diverse of things happening along the line of making a difference and to create dialogue. Also, we are partnering with uh, Charles Kears, who is uh, one of the biblical entrepreneurs. We are relaunching uh, the Urban Initiative, which is an initiative Tom helped to seed when we first started years ago. And that initiative, uh, we still do it via scholarship but we hadn't done an actual program. So we decided to bring him back up and Charles will be leading that so that we can be intentional about, about bringing entrepreneurship into urban communities. Also, we're joining with other urban leaders and entrepreneurs to bring about biblical solutions. So Tom, you had a chance to read our response. First, what, what are your thoughts about our response? Well, look, I, I'm, I'm grateful for it because uh, so often uh, what, we get our news from the media uh, and media outlets, and the media tends to take 30-second sound bites, uh, and it's very polarizing. And issues like uh, these types of issues and the racial division and the economic disparities in our country require much more than a 30-second sound bite. Uh, and so we end up building sort of the polarization because we don't uh, dig deeper. And what you're doing is a much more thoughtful response, looking at different angles, different perspectives, interviewing different people. And you're also focusing on, on sort of solutions as opposed to just sort of uh, inflaming rhetoric, uh, which, which just frankly uh, is, is not, not effective. So I'm grateful for your leadership in the organization uh, that, that you lead and, and the approach that you're taking. Well, Tom, thank you so much. Tom, um, I know you were personally grieved because I know you personally, uh, but 
you know, just for those out there who are seeing this purely as a as a black thing, African American thing, uh, how did you feel about what happened? Well, I, I mean, I don't know how you could watch that video and not absolutely be horrified. You 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 know, if if you're if you watch that video and um, and you were nonplussed or it just you know sort of didn't affect you, you must be made of stone, right? I, I mean, it's just um, that it, it, you talk about sort of overzealousness, uh, sort of an unnecessary reaction. Now, in fairness, you know, I, I, I don't criticize police officers for the most part. They have a ridiculously complicated job and, and they put their lives in danger and, and so forth. But you can also see when things are completely out of kilter and to put your knee on somebody's neck for almost nine minutes, um, uh, with multiple officers there, uh, I, I was horrified, uh, and and uh, and I think I think most of America uh, with it. Yeah, with yeah. Dom, you have personally, your wife, you and Jane, have been very passionate about the the urban community, uh, uh, giving of your time, uh, your money. Uh, you single-handedly uh, created. Lift Orlando as, as a kind of your signature project when you were CEO of CNL. Um, I remember you gave a major gift to the MI project to launch an urban issue, which serves a matching gift that got us started in really serving the Black community. Why has the urban market or the urban community been such a thing for you and your wife? Yeah, that's a good question, and, and I wish we had an hour uh, to, to address just that, but um, I, I'm a faith-based guy. I love the Lord. Uh, I've been been blessed. I, I frankly never would have considered myself a white privileged guy until, you know, that uh, terminology has become more, more in vogue and part of the vocabulary, but I, I clearly am. Having said that, I, I do believe uh, in a, in a, scriptural call that more is expected from those to whom more is, is, uh, has been given. And I have been blessed. So then the question is, so what do you do about it? Um, and I just have had a tug on my heart for a number of years uh, on uh, my responsibility to the poor, uh, not necessarily just to urban blacks or Latinos, but to the poor in general. And, and it just prompted me to do some reading and research and talking to people and frankly, I became aware uh, that despite the war on poverty, which has been underway for 50 plus years and spending literally trillions of dollars, areas of generational concentrated poverty are worse today than they were 50 years ago when we started this war. And um, so I just became convicted that I needed to do something about that, like most people. I had no idea what to do, how to do it or whatever, but I'm a convener and I'm a a bit of a instigator and and and, uh, and a networker, and I just started gathering people to say, you know, look, let's look at our own community. Let's look at the lowest income zip codes in our community, uh, and 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 let's start researching what's what's being done. So it really was more a recognition that I had a responsibility, uh, and that I had means and resources, and I wanted to use the gifts that I've been uh, blessed with. Uh, to, to frankly be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Uh, so often, and we can talk more about it should you choose to, 
business leaders are relegated to just writing checks. They're not engaged. They're not using their brain. They're just writing checks almost as a sort of a political necessity. Uh, and and that's, that's, uh, that was just not something that was going to be acceptable to me. And what's interesting about your wife and you, because most, uh, most people look at you and what you've accomplished. And let's first talk about what you've accomplished. Uh, so you talk a bit about your own journey, because oftentimes, Tom, people look at individuals like yourself and they focus more on where you are. And, and they have no context to where you came from and what got you to where you are. Because you talk about your own personal journey, young cinema, how did he go from wherever he was, where was that, to where he is now? Well, young cinema, I'm, I'm, uh, I was uh, one of four boys, um, uh, a very sort of blue collar family. My father worked uh, in middle management in the steel mills in uh, Gary. I grew up in the south side of Chicago uh, in an idyllic uh, type of uh, immigrant neighborhood. I'm Dutch and the Dutch live next to the Germans who live next to the Polish who live next to the Italians, uh, all white. Um, and in the 70s, the neighborhoods changed and, and uh, a lot of the whites moved out and blacks moved in. And, and uh, quite honestly, it was not a, a, an easy and smooth transition and uh, pretty, pretty difficult in many respects. So I, I find that that it's God has a sense of humor that that I'm uh, one and my I have an identical twin brother who lives in Charlotte who's doing the very same thing uh, similar to Lift Orlando there. It's just sort of humorous that we are uh, people involved in urban initiative given sort of uh, our upbringing. It's just a, a reflection of how God changes hearts and 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 minds. But that was my upbringing, and then I was I've been blessed. Career-wise and uh, and and financially, I'm married to the same woman almost 40 years, and and we have uh, children, and and it's just uh, um, uh, and grandchildren. And as we uh, just started sort of taking inventory of our blessings and the responsibility we have, um, it's just you know it was just a path that uh, became obvious that it was just not something that we could ignore. We just needed to do something. So and that wow. so about. Six, seven years ago, we, we helped start Lift Orlando. And as is always the case, I get way more credit than I deserve because it's a whole team effort. We have a just a robust board. We've got an unbelievable staff and, uh, and, and the, the, the organization is rocking, not because of Tom Sidema, but because uh, it's, a, it's got a very compelling vision and we've got great uh, leaders uh, at all levels. Wow. And, and when you look at the impact that Lift Orlando has had, I mean, you, what I like about you, you brought your business mind to a problem and you quantified very specific and you were looking to really get it done. Talk a bit about that, about the importance of business people like Tom Cinema bringing their business acumen with their resources to urban or social issues. So I'll be an equal opportunity offender. I, I find uh, there are people on, on two sides of the political spectrum, and it doesn't matter if you're a conservative Republican or a liberal Democrat. Uh, it doesn't, it, it, it almost really doesn't. The, the, the issue is some believe government needs a much bigger role and they got to write checks. And to those I respond, well, we've spent tens of trillions of dollars in the war on poverty and areas of concentrated general generational poverty are worse today than they were. So you say, okay, that, that's not working. We need a new model. And then you talk to other people that say, 
you know, uh, there's individual responsibility. People need to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. And, and you say, well, what about families that haven't seen somebody uh, get up to go to work for generations who have no role models, who have no mentors, who have uh, no network to be able to, uh, to uh, help secure jobs or job training? What about those that, that go to failing schools? And you say, that, that obviously doesn't work. So you kind of, I was convicted that you need a new model. The government has a role, private sector has a role, the best in class nonprofits have a role, faith community uh, clearly uh, has a, a, a role. And, and, and our focus was to sort of pull those all together. Sadly, business leaders have been relegated often, as I mentioned earlier, to just writing checks. What's interesting is business leaders um, are successful, those who are successful are successful because they're great strategic thinkers or problem solvers, or they have a networking ability to pull resources together to tackle an, an issue. And, and how would you not engage that skill set to address some of the most complex, gnarly, challenging problems in our communities across the country? like at the educational system or, or insufficient healthcare in uh, fragile communities or the lack of jobs or job um, opportunities. Uh, th those are complex issues that need more, way more than just somebody passively writing a check or way more than somebody in Washington or a state government uh, sort of dictating a policy. We need people engaged uh, at the local level, grassroots, business leaders partnering with government, partnering with best-in-class nonprofits, using their problem-solving skill sets and their strategic thinking to, to, to build best-in-class solutions to, to those kinds of issues. And that's what we did in Lyft Orlando. Wow. So when we look at this situation with George Floyd and we consider how it all started, over $20 counterfeit currency, right? $20. And then we look at post uh, the situation, there's marching, which normal people have the right to march if they don't feel that justice has been served. But then it went to looting and uh, it went to robbing the stores, which had a negative economic impact. Again, at a time where we're facing uh, COVID-19, making our economy even worse. So as a business guy, Tom, I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. So what kind of business solution could we, what could have, what can, what can we do or what would businessmen like you do if others are listening to be able to A, prevent or B, help in these situations? So for instance, as a biblical entrepreneur, I'm thinking, wow, over $20, this thing occurred. All right. Uh, what can be done to change our worldview so that money is not such a driver that this kind of stuff occurred? But talk to me a bit about, I mean, because no, it's really, it was economics and it ended up making economics even worse, right? So what would you propose here as a, as a business leader? What, what, could, what could happen to kind of minimize or prevent this situation if business folks got together? Well, um... Patrice, first of all, if I was the only guy, if I had that answer, um, um, it, you know, I, I would be, um, I, I would have a lot of demands on my time. Uh, I, I have theories, uh, some of which are, are a little bit 
uh, tested and others uh, are, are not. Uh, and, and I would say the, the problems of racial division and economic disparity are not new. I mean, they've been around for hundreds of years and they're not unique to America. They're in most every country in the world, some less than us, some way, way more than us. We're not gonna sort of, there, there's no sort of silver bullet. We're not gonna wave a magic wand and, and, and solve this. However, I will say this, a lot of the problems um, have been addressed with well-intentioned uh, people, well-intentioned solutions that actually made problems worse. Um, and, 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 and that is, I think that's, that's one takeaway. There is a thing called toxic charity. There's a great book out by Robert Lupton of that name, Toxic Charity, where well-intentioned people, government people, as well as private citizens, in an effort to help actually make problems worse. They create dependency. They take away a will to work or they, they cause somebody to lose dignity or, or, or what have you. We, we have to be more thoughtful about how we're doing those sorts of things. That, that's, that's important. Secondly, there's the opportunity for people to work and provide for themselves and their family um, is just fundamental to who we are as human beings. Um, people don't want to be on, uh, to have handouts or on dependency. They want to be able to provide for them themselves. The sad thing is, is they're not provided equal opportunity or access to those opportunities, or they don't have the, the appropriate education or training or whatever, and therein lies part of the, part of the problem. So what we have to do is approach areas, particularly the urban situation, areas of fragile communities in, uh, in um, uh, lower income zip codes, what I call areas of generational concentrated poverty. Um, and we have to look at holistic approaches because the, the fact is you can say, let, let's, um, you know, let's provide affordable housing. Well, that's great uh, and it's critical but what if the schools are failing schools? Um, so you're providing affordable housing, but their kids are going to failing schools and they may graduate at a much lower percentage. So then you say, well, let's improve the educational situation, but what if uh, you, you don't have adequate healthcare opportunities? And so the child uh, who's sick misses school, oftentimes if it's a single parent household, if a child is healthy, but their sibling is sick, they miss school. Uh, or if the mom is sick, they miss school. So you, you, so you have housing, you have education, you have health and wellness. And then critically important is, um, is job, uh, jobs, job training, entrepreneurial opportunities to provide for, for themselves, which is mission critical. So in, in my judgment, there needs to be a holistic approach to do all of this. And that's how you can make sustainable transformational change uh, so that the next generations are lifted out of poverty and lifted out of that and break that cycle of generational concentrated poverty. Too often we, we're satisfied as a nation by sort of handouts or specific things that really don't transform someone in, in that condition uh, to, to allow them to, to, to build dignity and, and provide for their own families. Now, 
that that's all positive and frankly it's doable and it's working in communities across America including in Orlando with Lyft Orlando um, but it is not a quick fix I mean these things take time we've been at it for uh, almost seven years amazing progress almost a hundred million dollars uh, of investments in our community in a community that hasn't seen a hundred million dollars investments probably in 50 years uh, and we're, we're investing in the schools, we're investing in housing, uh, we're investing in, in uh, educational opportunities, health and wellness opportunities, uh, and jobs and jobs training. Um, but it, it's, a, it, it's, it's a journey, it's not a sprint. It's a, it's a, it's a marathon, uh, for sure. It sounds like you've, you've had some time to think about this thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, you know, my, 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 uh, yeah, my brain usually doesn't shut down even at three in the morning. So, uh, uh, but it, it's look, I'm passionate about it. I, I've been I've been called to this work, and a lot of others with me uh, have joined me in this in this work. And um, there's no question, uh, it's the most rewarding work uh, that I've ever done in my life. And and what's interesting, and I, I think this is really relevant for your listeners to hear. So often business leaders are just so busy building their businesses and they think I don't have time to do this civic work or this community building work or, or what have you. What, what I have found is not only is my commitment of time uh, in, in that effort uh, ridiculously rewarding for me, it's actually ridiculously good for my business uh, because I have uh, been able, able to meet an amazing variety of people that I would never otherwise uh, have met. It's made me a better leader. It's made me a better manager of people. It's, um, I, I've been blessed um, in so many different ways uh, to help my business. Uh, so the whole concept of doing good and doing well at the same time, I'm, I'm sort of living proof of that. Wow. I mean, Tom, you, you gave a very um, succinct description of what could be happening. So why isn't that happening more? Is it a lack of money, a lack of will, or combination, or something else? Or you know, it, it's a good question. I, there, there's not a lack of money. Look, there's there's plenty of money out there. It's just in 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 different places. I, I, I'm a believer, as I said earlier, that government has a role. The private sector has a role. Uh, the best-in-class nonprofits have a role. The faith community has a role. That one of the challenges is they don't generally work together collectively. And government is good at a lot of things. They tend not to be uh, fast. They tend not to be um, uh, agile uh, in solutions. They tend um, not to be uh, very creative, uh, and they tend not to lead well as a result of that. Conversely, business leaders uh, tend to be much more agile and strategic, uh, but oftentimes they, they're under-resourced or they don't have the commitment of time because they're building businesses or, or what, what have you. Um, they have to engage with the public sector to do uh, uh, some of their work. Nonprofits, to me, those are the heroes, the, the work that you do. Um, you know, they, they, there's a book out there called Street Saints. You guys are street saints. You, you have made such significant personal and financial sacrifices 
uh, to further the call that you have in your life to do the work that, that you're doing. Um, but the, a lot of nonprofits uh, might not be strategic. They're certainly under-resourced, so they're not able to make long-term planning decisions because they're too focused on trying to resource their organization. Um, and yet they have a vital and critical role to play. So they have to, be, they have to come together to solve the more uh, complex, challenging uh, problems. And each has a mission-critical role um, but they need to come together. So I, I, think, I think part of it is a, a lot, I've talked to a hundred people over the last handful of years that say, man, it's just so clear I've got to do something about the poor educational quality in the inner city or poor healthcare access or whatever, but like, what, what can I do? You know, the question, what can I do? Like, what am I going to do? And, and I'll simply say that if I'm involved in doing something like this, Pretty much anybody can figure it out because I'm like the last guy somebody would think could, could be able to, to be part of, of, of this. And all of us can do something, whether it's one life at a time or whether it's building a whole business or all of us are gifted uh, in, in, in one way uh, to be a part of the solution as opposed to being sort of a, um, a bystander just hoping somebody does something. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you, Tom. We have a few more questions. We bring it to wrap. Uh, I do see you, Rosine, uh, Pastor Willie, and, and, and Nat. Thank you for being here with us. If you guys question for Tom, please put it up. We'll ask it for him, but do it quickly because we're almost coming to an end here. So, Tom, uh, we've had some folks on the podcast, uh, African-Americans, who have felt strongly that one of the issues is, is systematic. Um, whether it is one particular pastor said, you know, Patrice, uh, there needs to be police reform and system reform and so forth. What are your thoughts on that? Because it seems like all the things you brought up, that, that, that can happen. And, but yet the, the, they feel that the system here somehow that doesn't change, you know, um, it may not be, be all, all of them may not be together. Or do you believe that as that happens, that could kind of move up to a system process? Or was that part of your holistic process? Well, look, look um, and others have more expertise to, to answer this question, but I'll, I'll submit, um, you know, my, my reaction to this. There is no question, um, and, and I'll, be, I'll be very direct. There are there is no question there are bad cops out there. There, there just is no question. Um, there, are, there are cops that are, uh, that are very um, racially bigoted uh, that likely should not be uh, on the police force. There's no question. I also would say and would argue that the vast majority of police officers um, have, a, have a good heart, uh, are skilled, want to do their job the, the right way. And I'll, I'll use a parallel. In the, in the healthcare profession, we have thousands of doctors across our country. Um, there, there is a percentage of doctors that are just bad doctors. Uh, they're trying to milk the system. They're trying to get extra compensation that's not deserved from Medicaid or Medicare. Uh, they're they're, they're, uh, they're a, a mill just cranking patients. You know what? We, we don't say, let's throw out the healthcare system 
let's fire all the doctors uh, because we've got a small percentage of bad apples. Likewise in teachers, the vast majority of teachers are earnest and wanna teach children the right way, but there's no question we have a percentage of teachers that are maybe uh, lazy or, or they're not committed or they're, they're completely burned out or, or they're, they're, they're just, they don't care for their kids. We don't say the whole uh, you know, education system needs to be disposed of. In the police force, let's, let's acknowledge lots of progress uh, to date. This is not a political issue, by the way. It's not a Democrat issue. It's not a Republican issue because you can look at communities that are led by Democrats, that are led by, uh, you know, by strong left-leaning, and you have problems in the police force, and you can look in the in communities that are, you know, that have the same problems led by conservative. This is not a political uh, issue necessarily. It's the fact that we have broken human hearts and human conditions. We have to improve the systemic uh, issues. There, there is no question uh, we have to do that. But I start from the premise that, you know, I saw a, 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 a protester in New York carrying a sign, abolish the New York Police Department. And you go, <laughs> okay, now that is just not a good solution, right? So because there's a, a small percentage, we're going to throw out the whole system. That's just not, that, that's not an appropriate response. Uh, we have to continue to work to reform. Um, and, uh, and, and, but but quite honestly, we have to have pressure from whites and blacks and Latinos and all of us say enough is enough. We have got to get this fixed. We have got all have to recognize that a racial division hurts all of us, not just the blacks. Wow. With that, let's come to wrap. So, Tom, I want to just throw out a group of folks. I want you to speak to them. So um, what do you say to African-Americans who are out there and they're having a hard time hearing from whites that they, they have this there, there's a distrust. Uh, what do you say to them? Well, look, um, I, look, I'm a, I, I am a white privileged guy. And like I said, that's not a term I ever used to describe myself because I, I quite honestly never thought of, I, I grew up in, in a blue collar south side of Chicago, you know, kind of thing. I've worked hard like a lot of other people. I've been blessed. I've had help along the way and, and, and so forth. Um, I don't consider myself a racist at all. Um, but I will tell you, there are times when I'm completely naive to a lot of the issues or the topics. Uh, I, I mean, I'll give you an example. I, I talked to some folks and, and I, you know, I would refer to black and white and they would say, uh, no, 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 you can't use black. You got to use African-American. And, and I've been in a conversation with an African-American person or someone I thought, and I referred then having been corrected before as an, I said, okay, well, an African-American, and they, and they go, well, I'm not African-American. I'm from Jamaica. Um, and, you know, and, and it's sort, sort of like half the time, um, you know, innocent uh, people on the white we don't even, you know, it's like, we know we're going to get it wrong. You know, it's because it, there's so many issues that are so delicate to so many people. So we might just be naive, but that doesn't mean we're racist or bigoted or, or, or you know, uh, but I will say there's a lot of folks that have good hearts that just 
it's just not been something that that um, has directly impacted them. And I'll, I'll be really quick on a story. Uh, when my son was a teenager and got pulled over by a police officer for speeding and he called me, I can assure you the thought never crossed my mind that my son was going to be on the ground, handcuffed, potentially beat up or any of that sort of thing for being pulled over. I talked to a good friend of mine, Patrice, who you know, I won't share his name. Uh, and I was sharing that story and he said, well, you know, I got a phone call and my son got pulled over and my wife and I were on a vacation weekend and this couple is a black couple. And our first thought was, do we need to drive home? Is he okay? Is it? And those are thoughts that don't cross most minds of white Americans, but they do of black America. And that's just not acceptable. We, 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 need, we, we need to engage collectively to fix those problems. Wow, wow, well said. Dom, speak to whites, uh, your fellow whites who may be, as you said, that they wanna do something, but they don't know what to do. What, what would you advise them? You know, I, I think part of it is education. We, we just gotta learn. I, you know, when, 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 when I started, when we started Lift Orlando, I, I remember um, thinking, you know, we, we got to have data. So we, we looked at this one area and we realized uh, after we researched that the crime was like 21 times the national average there. And so we said, okay, we got to fix crime. Well, then we dug deeper and we realized 75% of the crime were committed by high school dropouts. So we said, well, crime is a problem, but it's a symptom. We've got to, we got to fix the education system. And then we go and, and we literally went to all the schools and met with the principals and some of the teachers and, and what you learn, is, how about this statistic in the third grade in 32805, the zip code here, uh, the first year we were there, 100% turnover. 100% of the kids that start third grade start fourth grade in a different school. So you can't just say, oh, you got to fix the education system or you got to break up the unions or you got to fire all the teachers. It, those, are, those are media responses. They're polarizing responses, but it's like, understand part of the issue. Well, they move because of lack of healthcare, lack of stability of housing, lack of jobs. And, and so you, you have to get to the, the systemic root causes of this. So, so my encouragement to whites is use your gifts, take some time to get smarter. And as you learn and become um, um, smarter on the topics, your role on how you can uh, be part of the solution will become increasingly clear to you. Oh, wow, wow. And then Tom, speak to the business leaders, other entrepreneurs and exec like yourself. What do you say to them? Well, if you're a business leader and your sole role and function in, in life is to build a business to make a bunch of money for yourself so that you can, you can do with it whatever you want, um, we have the ability and privilege to do that in, in America, in our country. Uh, but it is an incredibly shallow existence and it misses the point uh, of, uh, of the business uh, that you are leading and, and building. You have gifts that have allowed you to build businesses. Use a portion of those gifts, that talent, your strategic ability, your networking, your relationships, and put your mind to building a coalition of like-minded people that can tackle some of the difficult challenges uh, uh, in, in, in our uh, communities. 
And it is just not, it's just not as complicated as people think uh, it is. If we can get like-minded people uh, to come together to really wrestle with what's the, what's the, 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 the best solutions for these kinds of problems. And business leaders have an enormous advantage and an opportunity to, to really make systemic change on the complex issues in our community. Wow. Tom, lastly, given what's going on, do you have hope? Why or why not? You know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a generally a positive guy. Um, I, I, you know, you, it's hard not to have some disappointment and despair. I mean, for, for Pete's sake, we're in the middle of an economic collapse uh, akin to the Great Depression following a global pandemic. And then we have race riots in the streets. Uh, and you go, other than that, um, you know, things are great. Uh, I, you know, so it, it's easy to be uh, disillusioned, uh, disappointed, and so forth. Having said that, uh, I am an optimist, and, and I, I, I will, uh, and I am confident that uh, I, for instance, I've had more conversations with people that say this is this is enough, um, and and it's not just blacks; it's whites and Latinos saying yeah, this is we need to do better than 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 this. You know, our country is is better than this. Um, it's unfair to the all the the faithful police officers to be lumped in that the, all the police force is bad or, you know, any more, as I said, than all the teachers are bad or all the doctors are bad, but we have to, we have to do more. And, and, and I, I guess the other encouragement is it, it is not the polarizing media-based 30 second answers that are geared to inflame a, a populace on either the right or the left. It's way more complicated than that. And when reasonable people can get in a room, uh, like in Lyft Orlando, we are not a Republican solution any more than we're a Democratic solution. Uh, we are a solution uh, that has come together with people who desire to solve the problems uh, and we debate the best way to do it. And 80% of the issues, uh, we have no debate over. We might debate on the margins, but. Um, so I, I think we're in a polarizing time in our nation's history, but I am optimistic because there is great work being done. The purpose-built communities in Atlanta is doing amazing work like Lyft Orlando in probably 30 or more communities across uh, our uh, cities, and, and there's plenty of other great things being done. So I'm, I'm optimistic uh, uh, in my core. Wow. Well, Tom... Thank you so much, sir. You delivered and you even went above and beyond. I really appreciate it. This was incredible. Listen, I know, I love, you know, Annette just said this. She said, great perspective, excellent recommendation. And that I agree with you as well. Well, let me bring it to wrap. So uh, NEMA Project, one of the things that we're doing uh, among all that we, I shared earlier, we, we're putting together a, um, a discussion series called The Journey from Trial to Triumph. And the idea, because what we found is that uh, we know great folks like Tom, and if you heard Pastor Moore yesterday, we have folks like Pastor Moore. And, and the challenge sometimes is uh, there's no dialogue happening across, right? There's all these issues. And so The Journey from Trial to Triumph is a, is a, is a discussion series that's going to start on Monday. We're going to, instead of our weekly business devotionals, we're going to replace those for 
for several weeks uh, with uh, Devotion on the Journey series. It's going to start next week with uh, the, the, the journey from Child of Triumph. We should be the introduction. It's going to be inspirational, but give you tools to begin discussion. And the idea is that you find somebody of another race. If you're Black, find a white person. If you're white, find a Black person. And talk it out to them. Have devotional together and talk through this. And we're going to go through the dream. Uh, can we come together and, and dream of a better America, as Tom just pointed out? We're going to talk about the betrayal. Can we admit that some of our forefathers betrayed their fellow man due to sin? and that we are suffering the collective consequence of the day. The struggle, can we recognize that this betrayal has caused some among us to, to face struggles? Uh, the rise to greatness, can we accept that despite our struggle, we are still called to greatness? I love how Tom ended today with optimism. And then forgiveness, can we forgive ourselves and each other for what happened and, and be willing to let go of the past and begin a journey towards uh, towards uh, success collectively. And then destiny, once we have forgiven, are we ready to for God to reveal his ultimate purpose for us as individuals and as a collective? And then the last point is this, have a discussion around legacy. What legacy are we willing to leave our children? What kind of America would we want our children to inherit? And I love what Tom said, he said, you know what? He's, he means, those are talking, they're saying enough is enough because he does not want his grandchildren to have these discussion years from now. Enough is enough. We may not be able to change the whole system. We can change our hearts and our minds and that may just be enough. Well, hey, if you want to join us on this journey, visit our website, nehemiahproject.org, nehemiahproject.org. Just send us your email and we'll make sure that we add you to the communication, the dialogue and on a week, daily basis, we'll have this podcast, talking to others like Tom. Be on the lookout tomorrow. We have uh, Dr. Um, Lord, I forgot her name. But anyway, we have a doctor from Harvard University, an African-American woman who's really accomplished. And she's going to talk about her own journey uh, and how she sees America and her perception of this whole situation. And the weeks to come, we'll have others as well. Well, let me leave you with this. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord enable you to use the talents he's placed under your care to steward them so well that one day you'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. He'll make you rule over much. God bless you. Well, Tom, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Patrice. My pleasure. Have a great evening.